Morning, Luke. How's it, Corin? So we are midway through our three-part series on uh, on the child. If you missed podcast one, part one of uh, of the child, please do listen to it. It's on the free, four preconditions for child abuse to occur, the grooming process, and the psychological defences which provide barriers to reporting. And it then leads us into part two of this three-part series, Eye on the Child, which is about consent. As we said, the reason we've chosen to do Eye on the Child is because it is in massive demand at schools for Luke to go into schools and talk to the learners, talk to the parents, talk to the educators. And we're hoping through this podcast we can make it accessible to a far wider audience. Absolutely. So there are many things that I'm being asked to come into schools about. In fact, every time they phone you, in fact, to make a booking with me, I get some new topic I've got to prepare. So the broad ones that we are struggling with at the moment, and I think lockdown has compounded these issues because what has happened in lockdown is we have had children who would have called it lock up as opposed to lockdown. And they were, say, 11 when they went into lockdown. They come out in a 13-year-old body. They're not even in the same body that went into lockdown. And they've got um, kind of what we call, what I'm calling, what other people are calling, like long COVID of childhood, which is what we call disorganized development, which is similar to disorganized attachment. So they come out in a different body. They've been locked up for two years. They haven't had the social interaction to learn the social cues. They've been bereaved and traumatized because, for example, the people have actually lost people or when people got sick, they were scared they were going to lose them. We couldn't go to hospitals. We couldn't go to funerals when people had funerals. So there's this kind of complicated trauma bereavement that's happening. And then on the other side, we have them online with with this really precocious development where most of them are lying about their ages so they can get access to things that are age restricted. So that's the context of the, the issue of consent. So the first thing I say to parents is that you cannot, on behalf of your children, consent to something for which there's an age restriction. Mm. So, for example, when you have lower age restrictions, they will talk about parental guidance, so PG-13. PG does not stand for parent gone. It stands for parental guidance. Mm. In other words, you need to be there to help your child process it. But if something is 18 and your child is 13 or 12 or whatever, these are games like Grand Theft Auto. Mm. These are movies, um, particularly horror movies, which is the ones that are causing the trauma in the kids I'm seeing with the nightmares and can't sleep in their own beds, etc., etc. You can't decide as a parent that because the ch- the child is your child that you can um, allow the child to watch age-restricted movies. It's exactly the same as drinking. Mm. My favorite is parents say, at least they're drinking under my roof. I'm like, yeah, did you tell all the other parents' children under mm. your roof that they're drinking under your roof, you know, etc. So, and I think that's... That's very wrong, Luke, because we are taking away the choice of other parents. So if, for example, um, my 14-year-old has a party and I buy a light drink, what are those light drinks? I don't even know. Those savannas and um, whatever light drinks are. In my day, they were Esprit. Now I'm showing my age. They're quite high in alcohol content. And it's it's just one. It's just one Esprit. And, and we here, we supervising. But did you allow the parents who you know whose children are at the function to choose that and i think that is a very big problem but the problem is you can't choose it 
They must understand the vape industry, the hubby industry, the alcohol industry. What you call light drinks are not light. No, not okay, at all. So they, they're marketed as light and fruity and fun. No, it's the second two that are important. It's the fruity and fun. So they're making alcohol palatable. Vapes are making nicotine palatable mm. by putting strawberry flavor in it or whatever, you know, because smoking and drinking whiskey and beer, it's like mm. a bit icky, mm. you know. Where it's, it's hardcore. It's hardcore. You Peter Stuyvesant. Stuyvesant, yeah, it's correct. So it's, it's the hardcore stuff. So they're making it palatable. And by you saying to your child, you can watch this movie, which is 18 age restricted, you're saying don't pay any attention when you go out to mm. the club age restriction, to the drinking age restriction, to the smoking age restriction, to the vaping age restriction, to the marijuana age restriction. It's called a slippery slope. So, oh, my, my, my child can play Grand Theft Auto, and then when they come home and they've been potting it up out to their friends, you're saying, but why are you drinking? Well, because you need to be 18 to drink and you let me play Grand Theft Auto, which is an 18 age restriction. There is no distinction. So the most important thing for parents here is you cannot consent to your children doing something that is against the law. Mm. That's the most important thing. Whether you think you can or you, you cannot. Does that mean your children are not going to do it? Well, that's not the point. Mm. The point is you cannot condone it. Going back to podcast one, that's where grooming starts, mm. is this ability to violate taboos. So now this person is in the, at the rugby game or is the coach or the water polo or whatever. He said, yeah, I have a drink. Now you at home have allowed the child to drink. This mm. child's in hostel or on tour. Now that is part of the grooming process, which you have now said adults should allow you to drink. It's not how it works. Mm. So, are children going to experiment with drink? Did I experiment with drink? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. But not facilitated by my parents. Mm. You are not your children's friend. You are there to protect your children and guide them. And if you want them to be law-abiding, everybody says, oh, you know, our society is so lawless and whatever. Well, if you do that, you're also lawless. Mm. It's just... It, 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 it's nicely painted, it's palatable, you know, lawlessness, mm. as opposed to the, the scary lawlessness like looting or xenophobia or, you know, hijackings or whatever. But it's all lawless, okay? It's a complete disregard for the laws of society. And you cannot send a message to your children to not obey the laws of society because in moral development, we start with punishment. This is Kohlberg. We start with punishment, then we go to reward, then we go to what kind of person am I, then we go to abiding by the laws of society. And you cannot actively encourage, allow, participate in your child breaking a law in terms of any of those consents. And the idea that marijuana is legal is incorrect. Mm. Children cannot have marijuana and it is not legal. The biggest problem with marijuana, vaping, dutchies, skellies, all the things they put in the vapes, the the drugs mm. they put in the vapes and the hubblies and that is that they are not dose dependent so if you take a paracetamol of mm. x you know that is mm. the paracetamol if you take marijuana one marijuana is going to do nothing to you the other one's going to blow your head right mm. off your shoulders because there is no regulation of that system once again getting, getting back to the paracetamol mm. it's also age dependent or weight dependent so the box 100%. will say um, children under this age must take one and adults can take two. And you also say, and you can take it every four hours. So it's it's a measured dose. We, what you're saying about marijuana, alcohol, whatever it is, there, there isn't a, a dosage um, direction or, or instruction. And the newer things, the things like the vapes and the marijuanas and the hubblies and all of that, there is no regulation. You know, on alcohol, if it says 5% on the sure, side, it's 5%. 5%. But 5%, you know, is 5%. And you're allowed 0% as a child. So there is no dose mm. that is allowed for children. And the main reason for all of this 
is the fragility, particularly of the male brain. And the boys aren't going to like what I have to say, but the male brain is far more susceptible to this because, of, well, testosterone is an element, but it also matures far more slowly than women. It mm. just is what it is. Mm. You know, boys' brains are more vulnerable to these things. They're more vulnerable to addiction, violence, hurting each other, hurting themselves, committing suicide. And in that fragility, okay, if you're adding a substance, we say that the adolescent brain is the equivalent of giving an unlicensed driver a Ferrari with no brakes. Mm. Add marijuana to it, you're adding nitrous. Add mm. alcohol to it, you're adding a turbo. Now you're probably going to have an accident. Mm. Okay. Mm. And that leads to the sexual consent element. Okay. And okay. it leads to the third element we're going to talk about in the in the podcast in the next podcast which is the ability to understand the wrongfulness of what you do so criminal capacity mm. so once again if we look at marijuana and i think what we we need to do maybe before we look at marijuana let's just um discuss what the ages of consent are we're not going to get to sex because that is very complicated, okay? I still can't get my head around it, despite working with you every day. So what is the age of consent for drinking? That's 18, is it not? Everything is 18. Okay. So you must understand... So is it 18 blankets? 18 blankets. Okay. What you must understand is that children cannot mm. vape, drink, drink, hubbly, smoke, take marijuana, etc., etc., because... All of it is illegal for children. Children. So when we say the age restriction for these things is 18, mm -hmm. it means children can't use them. And unlike driving, you can't get a learner's license. So no. you can't at 100%. 17 get your learner's license to drink on your parents' supervision. 100%. I know I'm being flippant. No, but, but, it's, but, but I think it is how people think mm. because this idea of a learner driver is a nice analogy because it's at least I'm there to sure. teach them to drink responsibly. It is, it, it's not how mm. it works because that slippery slope is extremely dangerous. Mm. Mm. So that age of consent, as we said, is, is very easy. It's 18. That's it, okay? Anything that crosses the blood-brain barrier, anything that influences your child's brain, like the input. So I'll say to people, do you worry about what your children eat, especially the wealthy people? Oh, no, I worry, you know, like they've got these fancy lunchboxes. Do you give them vitamins? Do you give them antibiotics? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So why don't you worry about the other things they put into their body, and why don't you worry about the, the mental content? So mm. the mental content is things like social media, gaming, et cetera, et cetera, because it's the equivalent of junk food for the brain. Mm. And there, there is an inherent vulnerability. So things like Grand Theft Auto, for example, or a lot of gaming, is the challenge we're finding with gaming, as, as with drinking, as with vaping, smoking, marijuana, etc., is they, remember, they have brains that are unlicensed drivers with Ferraris with no brakes. And now you've got something crossing the blood-brain barrier, you've got nitrous and turbo. Mm. So the ability to control the impulses is impaired by virtue of their mm. biology. But what the, the parents must understand is you are paving your brain in your adolescence. And what sets by 25, you've now got to, you've mm. got to basically mm. live with. You can change things, but it's just really hard after that age. So there's a fragility to things that you're putting into your body that cross into your brain, which makes you who you are. And I suppose the other thought is that a lot of teenagers are on prescribed meds. Now, they are prescribed by GPs, specialists, whatever it might be, anything from Ritalin to Concerta to Rakuten, what, what, whatever the child needs but has been specifically prescribed in a responsible manner under the care of the adult. 
what are the are there many contradictions if you're on say a concerta or a Ritalin and now you um, choose marijuana or to drink on drugs like that? So there's two primary differences. The one is that the chemical compounds like a Ritalin is a heavily researched compound. I mean, there's so much research on Ritalin, it's frightening. So people know a lot about Ritalin. Then they'll say it acts on the same area of the brain as cocaine does. Mm. Well, that's true. And if if it's up to Elon Musk, he'll put the coke back in cocaine. So yeah, (laughs) that's another whole discussion. That's another whole drama. Now, you know, if if you're needing to take substances – Something is dysregulated. Mm. Now, the medicines are regulated. Mm. Do people misuse prescription medicines? Absolutely. Absolutely, they do. Do adults? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's why the, the adult has to be there, not to, in the case of adolescents, to administer it, but to make sure it's taken responsibility, especially things like Ritalin, where people are selling Ritalin and doing funny things. But the important thing is because it's well-researched and dose-dependent, in those fragile years of brain development, if you don't take the prescription medicine, you are more likely to self-regulate using illegal mm. drugs. So you're more likely to take cocaine and just make marijuana because you're dysregulated already. You're more likely, so if you're treated medically, you are less likely to develop the secondary mm. problems like substance abuse. It's not the other way around mm. where people say, oh, because they take Ritalin, they're going to take cocaine. It's mm. exactly the opposite. Mm. The other thing, and we spoke earlier about choice. So if you're 14 year olds having a party and um, you have other children and they're all drinking, do the other parents know? Also choice around things like marijuana. So let's look at alcohol. Um, apart from the fact, obviously, drinks can be sparked and, and you know, with, with, with roofies and, and, and that you can't taste. But if someone puts alcohol in your drink, you can pretty much taste that it's alcohol. Whereas with marijuana, and, and please, if I'm incorrect, please correct me is marijuana can be in baked goods. So things like brownies or crunchies or whatever it might be. And you can inadvertently take marijuana. Now, you might be an epileptic or you might have other underlying conditions. How do we sort of engage with kids that it is... Get in and put the straw in it, they change colors. Yeah. And there, there needs to be a level at which... For example, you you go somewhere and you um, are at a party and someone has baked something. You know, first of all, you want your parents to know the parents Mm. of the place you're going. Please God, the parents are there. Uh, No, I'm saying when you go to someone's Mm. house, you've got to know that your parents are going to know those parents Mm. because you've got these parents who think they're still teenagers who want to be friends and they're the ones baking the marijuana Mm. cookies for the party and that, I mean, which is another whole drama. But essentially, that is a form of assault. So when we get to the stuff around capacity and criminality, etc., you must understand that giving somebody something without their consent is a form of assault, mm. and it needs to be treated as such. Mm. Let's look at sex now, because whereas 18, that's for everything, sex is quite different. Can you unpack that for us, please? Sure. So the, the two things to understand about sexual assault is one is age mm-hmm. and the other is consent. And then there's a combination of the two things. So no matter what your age is, is if you do not consent to a sexual encounter, it is either sexual assault mm-hmm. or sexual violation. And you've even got non-contact sexual abuse like people sending um, genital pictures, mm-hmm. etc., voyeurism spying on people, mm. frotterism, rubbing up against people. So there's all those. Inappropriate touching inappropriate in a work t- environment yeah. even. Mm. Sexual, that sexual yeah. harassment. So there's sort of like a continuum mm. of these things. But for young people, you cannot consent to any images 
under the age of 18 because it's considered okay. pornography and it's child pornography. So that's sharing images of a, a young girl, sharing images with her boyfriend, that's child pornography. Him right. then sharing with the rugby team, now, that's child pornography. That's where the, the distinction comes in, and we'll get into it okay. in podcast three. But the distinction is, is if two young people under lockdown, and this the UN is trying to work, work around, there's a right to privacy and a right uh, responsibility for protection, a child's right to protection. So if they're only sending it to one another, mm. as they would be undressing with one mm. another in their room, they are not proceeding with anything criminally of, on okay. that because the law says that if young people between the age of 12 and 15 have consensual sex with one another, both consent to the sex, it's not a crime. Mm. It doesn't mean we don't do anything. There's contraception, there's healthy sexuality, there's why you having such an early sexual debut, what is the needs it's been for. So there's a million things, therapeutic things, health things, etc., but not criminal things. And once you turn 16, the person who's younger cannot be more than two years younger. Mm. So, for example, you're 16, the other person is 14. And I've had cases like that where people have had birthdays in between. Mm. And now, uh, you know, were they, was there bigger than So they started off the sexual relationship when the, the one child was under the age of 16. And then the child, one of the children turned 16. And that's when it became an issue. Correct. And if that the younger child, remember these are both consenting. Mm. If the younger child is consenting at 14 to sex with a 16-year-old, that's okay. But a 13-year-old okay. cannot consent to sure. sex with a 16-year-old. Because there's a two-year two um, age, age gap from the time you turn 16. So remember, 12 to 15, okay. consent, both parties, no No, 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 no drama, okay. Correct. Well, there is drama, but, but I mean, that's incorrect. It's not criminal. And it doesn't have to be reported to the criminal system. Okay. That's the important part. But then what happens is once one turns 16, it's two years. So you'll see it is so it can 14, be 14, 16, 15, 16. Okay. 15, 17. Do you okay. see the two years from yes. 15 doesn't get you to 18? No. So 18, 15 is, is an offense. Is an offense. Yeah. Okay. Even with consent. It's a different okay. offense to rape. So that's the age category. Even if the one child was 17 when the relationship started. Yes. The consensual relationship. Yes. The minute the one turns 18 and, and the, the one is under 15. 16. Yeah. Then because the minute you turn 16, you can consent to any kind of sex. And the, the reason they've made the pictures different. So if you just send it to yourself, they're not going to proceed like because mm. of the, the consent. But what tends to happen is they send it to someone else. Now, the okay. minute you send it to someone else, you have produced possessed and distributed child pornography okay. and that's when they start and that's and that's when that's when they start criminal making, correct that's when they start capacity. making criminal offenses mm. yeah. okay now the last thing to understand is that if you are disabled yes you have limited capacity, capacity. Mm -hmm. and if you are intoxicated mm. you have limited limited capacity and if you have some kind of temporary psychiatric disorder mania um, psychosis, etc. Mm. You can't consent. Mm. But the important thing when we get to the next podcast is the person who's having sex with you has to understand that you don't have that capacity. Mm. Okay, which is what we'll get to in the next podcast. A lot, and and you you just raised it a few minutes ago is in terms of being intoxicated, and it would if every single adult could work on educating. The youth, not only the youth, because this is not a youth problem, it's a sex problem, that when someone is intoxicated, don't. Yep. 
Just don't. There's no doubt. So first of all, that person could not consent to be intoxicated because they're a child, as we said mm. earlier in the podcast. So they can't drink. You can't give them mm. alcohol. They shouldn't be drinking. In fact, you should stop them. You should look after mm. them. Except. You should indeed. Now, what happens is if they are intoxicated, they obviously can't consent. Mm. Okay. So they're going to wake up the next day and say, I was passed out or I don't remember or I didn't give consent. Mm. So what is consent in conclusion to the podcast? Consent is expressed. That's the first thing. So consent is expressed. Yeah. So Yes, I want to have sex. Yes, okay. I. Silence is not consent. So, not saying no is not consent. Saying yes is consent. Consent is not implied by your consumption of alcohol. It's certainly not implied by you being asleep, okay, mm, which is another not. big issue. Um, and it is, it is not implied by the way you dress. Yeah, for sure. One level of consent does not imply consent to a next level. So holding hands does not imply consent to being hugged. Being hugged does not mean you consent to being kissed. Being Mm. kissed does not mean consent to being touched. Being touched Mm. does not mean consent to sex. So each level of it is a negotiation. So what I say to young people is in that moment, it's very difficult to negotiate Mm. those levels of consent. Especially if you're young because you've got – I mean, it's difficult enough for adults – yeah, even if you're an adult, it's difficult oh, to navigate. But exactly. as young people, it, it's 10 times more difficult. Absolutely. And what you must understand as well is in that sort of continuum of consent, okay, it's better to have had a responsible conversation about what you are okay with up front. Mm. Okay, mm. That, if where that's possible. But even if you had that conversation up front and it sounds like a good idea or someone said time, in sure. porn. No, when you're having the, the discussion up front and then you get to that and you feel uncomfortable, you can withdraw mm. your consent. And, and, and we discussed point. a great analogy the other day. Mm. Do you want to run through that analogy? Yeah, the analogy. Okay. So um, the analogy, it was also a school talk and it was can you withdraw consent? So very often it's a case of, well, she invited me up to her room, she took her clothes off, that is consent. It isn't, okay? It's not consent. You can withdraw consent at any time. And the fantastic analogy that our friend and colleague Sharon used was, say, for example, you're a man and you go to a bar in Thailand and there is this magnificent woman. She is absolutely beautiful. And you're flirting, and she invites you back to her room. And once in her room, things are hot and steamy and fabulous. When she takes her pants off, you realize it's not a woman, it's a man. At that stage, do you have to continue with the sexual act, or can you withdraw? And the answer that all of the the boy children gave in the talk is, obviously you can withdraw, it's a man. Same, if you are with a woman or with a man, and he, any one of you chooses to withdraw consent at any time, consent can be withdrawn. And if you keep that analogy in mind, it's a good thing. And there's a second part to that analogy, which is why I wanted you to say it, and then I was going to add, is that what you will find is the men in that position get extremely violent Yes. towards the, the, the other person who yeah. is presented as a woman, but is actually a man. There's a, there's a level at which homophobia kicks in and the violence, etc. So the, the, the level of non-consent when it comes to that kind of analogy is massive because they actually want to hurt the mm, person mm. who tricked For them. For tricking them, yeah. Correct. So you must remember, nobody tricks you into having sex. Mm. You choose it. Mm. And you can say no. And you have to expressly say yes. Mm. 
So, Luke, I think we've pretty much covered everything under consent. Once again, we encourage you to send us any questions that you may have. Um, Our details are on our Facebook page. Just uh, look for Society Superheroes on Facebook. And um, our contact details are there. We really would love to hear from you. If you'd like us to perhaps do more on something that that, that interests you or that's piqued your interest, let us know and, and we will certainly create podcast content around that. Luke has all the content in his head. The important thing is to get it out and to share it with everybody. So this was part two of Our on the Child and part three covers criminal capacity and the Child Justice Act. So we encourage you to look out for part three and to please listen in. Thanks very much for, as always, an engaging uh, conversation, Corin, and uh, we look forward to engaging with you on the socials. Have a lucky day, Peter. Cheers.